We gave a title to the message this morning called Strength for Every Day. And that is an important principle that God has given us in his word. We're talking about the kind of strength he wants to give us. Strength for every day. Now, the focus in Acts 1 is going to be strength or power to witness for Christ. But, you know, it's amazing that the Word of God says we all as believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And and the Lord gives us strength not only to witness for Christ, but to live, to be doing His will. And this is one of the great passages in the Word of God that reminds us of the strength that the Lord gives. And when we started singing this morning, we started singing, Strength will rise when we wait upon the Lord. Remember that? Strength will rise when we wait upon the Lord. And that comes from Isaiah 40. Look at the reference with me, if you would, beginning at verse 29. This is absolutely awesome. He, God... Verse 29, Isaiah 40, gives power to the weak. Sometimes we feel weak, but he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and become weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There's the word strength again. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is an awesome portion of Scripture that should be an encouragement. We stopped right there this morning, and we're thinking about the subject of the strength that God gives. That passage really puts a focus on the strength that God uh, gives to us. Strength will rise when we wait upon the Lord. Now, we're living in a society today that really is um, enamored with the subject of strength, You hear terms like core strength, upper body strength, emotional strength, personal strength. And all of us would agree, we're all going to be 100% agreement, we need strength to live each day. Uh, Some of us would say, you know, and some of you would say, uh, we need strength to go through the problems and the things that we face. We need the strength to keep going, even though there might be some type of a trial or some type of opposition to uh, what we want to do for the Lord. Uh, they that wait upon the Lord, and uh, most people interpret that, waiting upon the Lord, waiting upon Him in prayer and seeking Him, and certainly it, that's involved in it. But the idea uh, that I have seen uh, discussed the most is the fact that they that wait upon the Lord are those who really trust the Lord. So you take your problem and your concern and you you give it to the Lord. You say, Lord, I, I'm trusting you for this. I don't see the answer in the timing. I'd like to see it, but I want to give to you my problem. I want to give to you my concern. They who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength so that you can keep going until you find the Lord answers that need or concern that you have in your life. That's a beautiful, beautiful a portion of scripture. Now if you would go back with me over to Acts chapter 1 where the strength or the power is mentioned by the Lord for us as believers. Um, we are focusing on Acts 1.8 because the next week we're going to um, spend a weekend thinking about together the fact that um, we have the great gospel message and it's to be carried out into the fields of the world. In fact, we're to be taking the gospel message ourselves, and we'll be discussing this. But Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
And if you were to ask, and John mentioned that a, a group is already going wholly through the uh, book of Acts, the point is that because of Christ's ascension up into heaven and the coming of the Holy Spirit, believers, we who know Christ as Savior, can be effective witnesses for Christ in our communities, in our state, in our country, and believers can even carry the gospel to the far, far corners of the earth. And the power for witnessing for Christ comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to remind ourselves that every one of us who are here this morning, we have the Holy Spirit living within us and dwelling within us. And it's amazing what He wants to do through us, especially with regards to getting out the gospel message. Very important. Now, the book of Acts, again, uh, is a history, as John mentioned, uh, of the church of Jesus Christ. Actually, the church began in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost after the uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ and the ascension of Christ into heaven, Acts chapter 2. That's the birthday of the church. In other words, the church is not in the Old Testament. Once in a while you hear somebody talk about the church in the Old Testament. Church is not in the Old Testament. Church is very unique. The church is the body of Christ. You, when you trusted Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit, you didn't feel this, you didn't experience it, but he placed you into the family of God, into the body of Christ, and you have brothers and sisters in Christ. Right here this morning, those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, uh, you were baptized, the Bible says, into the body of Christ. And, of course, uh, the book of Acts uh, explains this very clearly and, and demonstrates the uh, power of the Holy Spirit being in the lives of Christians. And uh, the early Christians uh, witnessed for Christ. They loved one another. They were desiring to serve the Lord, all because the Lord was living within them, encouraging them to do this. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, the focus in Acts 1.8 is on the fact that the Holy Spirit was given uh, for the ability of a believer to witness for Christ. And we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about the fact that, yes, there are many people who do not know Jesus yet as Lord and Savior. But um, I'm going to say this right now, even at this point. But the, the Holy Spirit wants to use you. In other words, there's a sphere of influence which you have. Uh, and I, I probably won't be getting into that sphere of influence that you have. But there's that sphere of influence. People you know who need Jesus. And God wants to use each of us for our sphere of influence. And there's some people, in fact, every one of us have this, again, repeat, third time, sphere of influence that the Holy Spirit can use us to touch the lives of some people who do not know Christ as Savior. Now, the other night we were looking at the parable of the soils. And everybody that you give the gospel to, or you tell about Jesus to them, not everyone's going to be saved. Some will, however. And we don't know who's going to get saved and who's not going to get saved, but God wants to use us to tell the good news, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. So uh, in the book of Acts, we see the uh, work of Peter, John, Philip, Paul, Barnabas, and thousands of other believers who witnessed to their faith in the risen Christ and Savior. Acts chapter 1 is really a powerful chapter in all the Word of God. Very powerful. It, it talks about the Lord Jesus commissioning the disciples, the twelve. And then it talks about uh, the fact that he ascended up into heaven. Now, 
the angels came by when Jesus ascended up into heaven and, and he said to them, well, why are you gazing up into heaven? Well, they never saw anybody taken up like that before. I'm going to answer for them. I'm going to tell them why. I'm going to tell those angels why. You know, but that, that was an awesome experience. Here you have Jesus Christ who appeared to the disciples for 40 days after he rose from the dead. He ate with them. He's alive. He's risen. And then he was in their presence as it is recorded in Acts chapter 1. And gradually he ascends back up into heaven. And of course they never saw anything like that before. It was awesome. And that same Jesus, by the way, who ascended up in heaven, he's coming back again for you and me. And we'd like him to come in our lifetime. We would like to be part of the rapture. I remember uh, Dr. Walvert at Dallas Seminary. He used to say that. He used to say, boy, I'd love to see the Lord come back while I'm here. Well, he might while we're here. Or I better say, since I'm one of the older ones here this morning, while you're here, he may come back. But uh, it's going to be awesome to see our Lord, to meet the Lord in the air. And uh, the disciples were there. And uh, the angel said to them, that same Jesus, not another Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner, as you say. He will come back bodily uh, as he ascended up into heaven. So you have in Acts chapter 1, you have the uh, ascension of Christ. It was very spectacular uh, departure from the earth to heaven. And you have the two angels speaking of Christ's return. You have the disciples also, and this is very important as well, going back into Jerusalem because the Lord told them, don't leave Jerusalem, stay into Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes. And so they go back into Jerusalem, they go into the upper room, and what are they doing there? They're all praying together. What are they praying about? Well, our Savior ascended up into heaven. Now we really need guidance and direction, Lord, on what you want us to do as believers, as the body of Christ. So they're meeting together in prayer. And of course, you then you go over into Acts chapter 2. Uh, he said, you know, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Well, Acts chapter 2 gives the coming of the Holy Spirit. And again, it tells of the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the apostle Peter is preaching, and uh, he says to those who are listening, wait till you hear this now. This is beautiful from Acts chapter 2. He said, um, you took Jesus of Nazareth and you crucified him. Whoa. Probably one of the best things not to do when you witness to somebody is to start by saying, you put Jesus on the cross. <laughs> we did, didn't we? Wasn't it my sins that he bore on the cross? And uh, the, the best thing as you start to witness to someone is to say, you know, God loves you and sent Jesus to pay for your sins. And you could be completely forgiven of all your sins. And you can go to heaven someday to be with God. And you can have the power of God in your life while you're on your journey here. A power that you've never experienced before until you trust Jesus as your Savior. So Acts chapter 2 is really beautiful. Peter said, you took Jesus of Nazareth. He said, and apparently he's talking to the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders. You took Jesus and you had him crucified. But God raised him from the dead and God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, Messiah. He is the Messiah. And when they heard this, this Acts chapter 2 tells us they were cut to the heart. In other words, they were really convicted. Why again? 
because of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, again, I want to encourage you in your desire to see other people come to faith in Christ. Sometimes you will, maybe you'll talk to a relative or a friend or someone in the office, someone at work about Jesus. And you may not see any response, but you can count on it if you're witnessing in the power of the Holy Spirit that person who hears you talk about their need for Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to work in their thoughts. He's going to use the Word of God we'll talk about in just a minute, and He can bring them all the way over to where you're at, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's amazing uh, what Acts chapter 2 tells us. In fact, it tells us that these religious leaders say, well, well what shall we do? Yes, we did crucify Jesus. We, we, we mocked him. We told him, crucify him. We don't want to have anything to do with him. And they were convicted by the Holy Spirit that they had sinned. <clears throat> so they said, what should we do? And of course, um, Peter responded. And he says, repent of your sin. And, uh, and then he told them to be baptized in order to identify with the message of life in Jesus Christ. Now, the disciples, again, were uh, witnesses of the risen Christ. They saw the risen Christ, but they were witnesses also of his message. And so they said to the Lord Jesus, now, please keep this in mind. Here you have the 12. The Lord's worked with them for three years. And even on the 40 days after the resurrection, he talked to them about the kingdom of God and how the day's going to come when this whole earth will acknowledge the Lord as God. We call it the millennial kingdom. And he's going to be the king. Jesus is going to rule and reign in Jerusalem. <clears throat> so the disciples heard this. And so they asked the question in verse 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to set it up? Lord, are you going to deal with all the ungodly? Are you going to push out the Romans and allow Israel, your people, to be the head of the nations and not the small little nation? And will you notice Jesus' response in verse 7? He says, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, that's quite an answer. He said, it's not for you to know all about the timing in the future of what God's going to do. You know, um, Jesus is coming back again, and we don't know when, right? We don't know when. Well, I'll tell you what. A number of years ago, I got this book in the mail, and it says... 88 reasons why the rapture could be in 1988. There it is. The author thought that Jesus was coming back in 1988. Uh, if he came back, I didn't see anything with regards to the rapture. <laughs> what about date setting? I think you know the answer already. We don't set dates on when the Lord's coming back. The Lord encourages not to do this. In fact, he wanted his people to always live every generation of believers from the time of his resurrection and ascension. He wanted every generation of believers to be looking forward to his return. And let me mention this again. I remember when I was, oh, about middle school age and we were playing softball in the field out behind our house. And uh, I'm up to the plate, you know, ready to hit a home run. And... Uh, I got no laughter on that. <laughs> but I was. <laughs> and, and I'm standing there, and all of a sudden I looked up in the clouds, and there was a brilliancy like you don't see too often, the sun coming through the clouds. 
And because the pastor in my church encouraged us to be looking for the return of Christ, I said, um, and I still remember this vividly. I still remember, Lord, are you coming back now? You know, are you coming back? And that's, it's going to be that glorious. When the Lord, of course, it's going to be in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, First Thessalonians 4, right? But isn't that going to be awesome? When we see the risen Savior and he comes to take us home? I mean, wow, it's awesome. So is it in the, in the account here given in Scripture. And Jesus said to the disciples, nobody really knows what year I'm coming back again. They, don't, they just don't know. And that's very clear in the Word of God. But the point is, he is coming back again, and we're amongst those believers who are looking for the return of Christ. And uh, remember Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'd like to put this in too. Get, let me give you another little parenthesis here. Not every Christian, I mean truly born again Christian, is looking for the return of Christ. Most are, by the way. They don't have any um, particular... Uh, some don't have a time frame like we do that Christ comes back and then the tribulation takes place and then the kingdom comes on the earth thousand years. And many people who are truly born again are looking for the return of Christ. But not all are taught that. Not all are taught Acts chapter 1. Not all are taught First Thessalonians chapter 4. Just thank the Lord. If you talk to someone and say, well, I didn't know Jesus was coming bodily in the clouds to uh, lift a generation of believers up, well, you, you could say, well, well, check it out. That's the best thing to do. Say, check it out, First Thessalonians chapter 4. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 then uh, is the verse, the key verse for the whole book. And then Jesus, you'll notice, says the Holy Spirit's going to come and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And that last phrase, to the uttermost part of the earth, is a verse that tells us why we support missionaries. See, when you give your offering, yes, it goes for salaries here of staff and it goes for keeping the lights on and but we also give a good portion of our offerings so that other people can take the gospel to other lands well the man we have coming next sunday goes to china and he spreads the gospel and he's used to he, he's discipling people who've come to faith in christ uh you may you see in china you can't go walking around with a bible can't do it They'll take it away from you. Many other countries as well. By the way, you say, well, well, why do they do that? Because the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And they don't want people hearing about And China is an atheistic country, and they don't believe in God. But believe me, Scripture, I mean, um, what, what you read is true. Um, there are multitudes of people who are coming to faith in Christ in China. And we'll hear more about that next week. So the um, Acts 1.8 says the Holy Spirit's going to come with power uh, so that we might be witnesses in our own community and other places nearby and around the world. Multitudes of people need to know Christ as Savior. And so missions should be and continue always to be a part of our ministry here and, and we right now we support about probably 20 missionaries who are scattered all around the, uh, the globe. And that's a, that's a privilege and it's a blessing. And why do we do it? Because of Acts 1-8, right? Because the Lord said, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
We used to sing a song years ago, and I won't sing it this morning. Untold millions are still untold. Untold millions are outside the fold. Who will tell them of Jesus' love in the heavenly mansions that are waiting above? Jesus died for you and me to save each one of us from sin. Now he calls you and me to go and bring them in because many untold millions are still untold. Again, Acts 1.8, key verse for the whole book. You should receive power, a tremendous power. And Jesus said he spoke about that power too. And uh, one of the places was back there in Luke 24, 49, where Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay in the city of Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. In other words, what a reminder. And I need this reminder, I really do, that we need the power from the Lord to speak effectively to people. We, we don't preach at people. We, we don't say, hey, man, you know, you're not going to make it. Or we, we talk to people out of our love and our concern for them. We want them to know Jesus as their Savior so that Jesus can and the Holy Spirit can come live within them so that they have power to move through this life and someday go to heaven to be with the Lord. And it takes the power of the Lord in order to do that. Acts 1.8. You, you receive power in order to be my witnesses. And witnessing is, um, when we witness, we're not showing or talking to people of what, about what we can do for God. When we witness to people, we're talking about what God has done for us. And so I like to, when I'm talking to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, like to say, you know, the Lord's forgiven me of my sin. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned. And, and he forgives of sin, that's why he came. And it's up to the Holy Spirit, again, to work in that person's heart and cause them to see they really need Jesus. And there are people all around us who really need Jesus. And um, we tell people what we have experienced through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard this said before. A witness is someone who talks about what they have seen, um, trials today uh, in, uh, in the courtroom. Uh, oftentimes, witnesses are brought up to tell what they have seen about the incident. And uh, likewise, we tell what we have seen. We, know, we tell that God has brought a change into our lives. Now, one more thing real quick, and I'm going to get to the power for all of our living. Acts 1.8 says, uh, you should receive power to witness for Christ. If people are going to get saved, they have to know how to get saved by believing in Jesus. Now, there are a lot of people who say, oh, that sounds too easy. I'm going to tell you, he's not going to be listening anyway. But I have a neighbor. I love the guy. He's really interesting. But every time I go to tell him about Jesus, and I say, you know, all you need to do is believe and entrust it in Jesus. And he's, oh, but we've got to do something. There's some things we've got to do. We've got to live the life. And what life? Got to live the life. But that's what he really believes. He's, he believes he's got to live good in order to go to heaven. But the Bible says we can't ever live good enough to go to heaven and, and he's a neat guy and we're still talking and we really care for one another but I'm telling you every time I 
every time I say, you know, it's just believing on the Lord Jesus. You you believe that Jesus came down to this earth and went to the cross, and on that cross he paid for your sins, and if you will reach out to him, he'll forgive you of all your sins forever. But you see, the, it's got to be the Holy Spirit that convicts him, right? I can't do it. I can't save anybody. Care for the guy, still praying for him. So what's the message he needs to hear? Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again. Ten words. Larry Moyer mentions this from 1 Corinthians. Ten words. That's the gospel. See if I can do it today. I did it the other day and I had 11 words. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 15, 2. By which you are saved. And then he goes on to say, 1 Corinthians 15. Christ died for our sins. He rose the third day. Got it. Ten that time. Eleven the last time. I think I said Christ arose uh, or from the I forget what I did. Christ died for us. So what do people need to hear? They need to hear God's awesome love for them. You see, relatives who don't know Christ, friends who don't know Christ, people we meet, people we work with who don't know, they need to hear that God loves them and sent Jesus to die for them pay for their sins and when they turn to Jesus and say Lord Jesus I, I now I've heard it before but I now believe you died for me for my sins and I want you to be my savior then they can be born again um, the, the, most, a lot of people use John 3.16 okay and you know it well let's do it again here we go King James version here we go <laughs> for God so There it is. There's the gospel in a nutshell, they call it. Whoever believes in him. See, I have another neighbor, and love that we love this guy too. We, we continue to pray for him and his family. And he says, I just can't believe that somebody 1,900 years ago did something that's going to allow me to have forgiveness of sins today. Well, his problem is he doesn't know who this person is who went to the cross the person who went to the cross is the Son of God who left the glories of heaven and came down here and gave his life. Now, very quickly, very, very quickly, we, Acts 1.8 talks about the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? And that power is available to you and me, not only for our witness, and we need it for our witness, but for our daily lives. In other words, we need the power of God to live for the Lord. Remember Jesus said in John 15, without me you can do... Nothing. That will count for time and eternity. So we need the Lord and we need his power and we need his strength. Over 40 times in the word of God, God has spoken to people and says, be strong in the Lord. And that's what we want. We want to be strong in the Lord. We need his strength in our lives daily. Uh, Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and of a good courage and do not fear. For the Lord your God is with you, goes with you wherever you go. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10. Now, because of where we're at, I would like you to look at one verse with me and only part of a verse. Look with me at Deuteronomy 33.25. Some of you know this verse. Some of you are not familiar with it. Deuteronomy 33.25. Watch this real careful. 33.25. 
And uh, this is Moses telling about what God would do to his people. And uh, you have in verse 25b. I'm just going to focus on 25b. As your days, so shall your strength be. As your days, so shall your strength be. And this is the promise of the when God's going to supply for us as believers. Now, I understand that a Christian can get out of fellowship with the Lord. I understand that a Christian can backslide. But, you know, if you stay in fellowship with the Lord, the Lord says, whatever amount of days you have, I am going to be with you, and I'm going to give you strength for that day, every day. He didn't talk about tomorrow and didn't talk about things that happened yesterday. Now listen to this verse. We'll tie them together. Psalm 139, verse 16, the psalmist said when he realized that he was formed into the womb and God was there when he was formed into the in the womb of his mother, he said this, You saw me before I was even born, and you scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. Don't miss that. Psalm 139. So you as a believer, you see, every day of your life has been scheduled by God. And if you stay in fellowship with him, he's going to help you. He's going to give you strength for every day that you have. It doesn't mean there might be days when you're not weak because we looked at those references. We looked at that reference. For those who are weak, he renews strength. But our God is a God who gives strength. And he says, as your days, Deuteronomy 33:25, so shall your strength be. In other words, your strength will be equal to your days. Very important. Should encourage us. Knowing that God has a plan. And he knows exactly how long we're going to be here before he calls us up to be with him. How awesome is God, our God and our Savior. Now here's the point. I want to bring this out. Because sometimes people say, well, what if I am experiencing a real trial and my life is in danger? You said, you said that the Bible says, as your days, so shall your strength be. Listen, Christians can get into real deep trouble. They can get into situations where they're saying, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know if God's going to bail me out of this or not. I'm in a very difficult situation. Yesterday in men's Bible study, we looked at a passage that I will never forget. And it's the testimony of the Christian missionary, Isabel Kuhn, who is a, a, a woman who went to China to take the gospel, to witness for Christ. And uh, she was in China. Remember when the communists said, all Christians out of China, all Christian missionaries. I saw a video of that. I'll never forget it. It showed all these Christian missionaries with all their luggage loading up on different, uh, different areas, waiting for people to come and take them out of the country of China. China became a country that's atheistic. We don't believe in God. God is the ruler of this country of China. Well, she's over there, and she had to leave to protect her life. And she said this, well, uh, she had to uh, leave China. And what she did, she went on foot with her son, Danny, over into Burma. And she said when she was there, 
she was at, quote, the world's end, without money, unable to speak the language, still half a globe away from home, and she said, I cannot tell you the dismay and the alarm that filled me. But then she goes on to say, don't miss us now. God gave me strength. Listen to her testimony. In her perplexity, when God gave her strength, she made two decisions. Now, here's a mother with her son over in a country, and she doesn't even understand their language. And it's cold over there. The first decision I made was to cast out fear. And she said, the only fear a Christian should entertain is the fear of sin. All other fears are from the devil. Is she right or is she wrong? She's right. God has not given us the spirit of fear. First uh, Timothy. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's very interesting. So she said, that's the first thing I did. That's the very first thing I did. How often did God say to his people, don't be afraid? So Isabel Kuhn knelt and spread her heart out before the Lord, and she said, Lord, I refuse to be afraid and ask him to cast fear out of my heart. Well, here's the second thing she did. Her second determination was to seek from the Lord light for the very next thing she could should do. Remember now, she's a country. She doesn't even know their language. She doesn't know how to speak their language. She's there with it. She doesn't have any money. She doesn't have anything. But did God help her? I know you know the answer to that. He really did. She had no idea how to get home. But with God's help, she could figure out what to do the very next thing. And that's what God does for you and for me. The very next thing we should do, that's what he does for us. He doesn't show us all about the future. He tells you the very next thing you should do when you're in time of a trial because he provides strength for each day. When you don't know what to do next, cast out fear and seek light for the next thing that you should do. Trust God for guidance in small increments. And if you can't see what lies dimly in the distance, do what is clearly in front of you. Boy, that's good. Because we, we can't see what's ahead. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But we can do this. We can say, Lord, we heard that message this morning on the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power of the Holy Spirit is available for us every day. No matter, no matter what I experience, no matter where I am, Lord, you want to help me any given day as your days, so shall your strength be. And so, Lord, I'm just coming to you and I'm saying, Lord, I need your strength today. I need your strength right now. I'm facing some decisions and I don't really know what to do. I need your help in my life. Let's go to prayer.